This is going to be one of those sit-down sermons again. For whatever reason, I am still ill, sick, off. I'm seeing a doctor. I have no idea what's wrong. You can be praying for me. Uh, John is my tag team partner, and I will tag in, and he will tag in if I need to tag out. Um, but you know, sometimes this is what happens, right? We, we go through times of problems, pain, illness, suffering. I've never been sick this long. I've never been ill this long. Um, so I don't know what's going on with me, but I praise God for hope of heaven, right? Uh, praise God that we can look forward to something else that's greater where our bodies are not breaking down. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to project a little bit in the future and hope. And I want to start by sharing with you a book I read this, this break. If you can see the picture on the book, it's by Tim Keller. He has a book called Making Sense of God, uh, An Imitation to the Skeptical. And he has a chapter called A Hope That Can Face Anything. And he says in there that Christianity can give one hope in the future to endure suffering in the present. Christianity can give one hope in the future to endure suffering in the present. And he tells this really cool story. He says, imagine two, these two women, and these two women are the same age, same socioeconomic status, same education level, and even the same temperament. And you hire them, and you hire them to do the same job. And you say to them, you're going to be on an assembly line, and you're going to put part A into slot B, and then hand what you have assembled to someone else. And I want you to do that over and over and over again for eight hours a day. You put these two women in identical rooms, identical lighting, temperature, and ventilation. You give them the same number of breaks in a day, and it's very boring, tedious work. Their conditions uh, are the same in every way, except for one difference. You tell the first woman that at the first year you're going to pay her $30,000. And you tell the second woman that after the first year you're going to pay her $30 million. So the first woman gets $30,000, the second gets $30 million, doing the same work. So they go to work, and the first woman says to the second woman, isn't this boring work? Isn't it tedious? Aren't you going crazy? And the second woman says, no, I whistle while I work. This is great. They're doing the exact same things, same conditions. What's the difference? It's the outcome of the future, what they're looking forward to in the future. And the same with people on this earth. We can face the same sufferings. You can be ill like me, or you can be suffering in other ways. And it's the way that we face that suffering has a lot to do with what we're thinking about the future and hope. And so I want to share this, this quote from Keller when he says, what we believe about our future completely controls how we are experiencing our present. We are irreducibly hoped-based creatures. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about hope. Even in the book of Revelation, we're during the time of the tribulation, the seven years of suffering, right, before Jesus comes back. And during this time of suffering, we have a lot of calamity. But there are these occasional interludes that talk about hope, that give believers hope. And we're in one of those interludes today in chapter 10. I'm going to give you a little bit of the outline here. You're not going to find the word hope in the whole chapter. But the fact that there's an interlude there is trying to encourage the church during the time of suffering. Number one, you'll see in verses 1 through 7, hope is fueled through God's sovereignty. Two, Hope is internalized through God's word. And three, hope spreads through God's commission. And it's those three that we're going to look at today. Now, I don't know if any of you saw the Star Wars movie that was out. I'm sure a lot of you have. Rogue One. There's a lot of it. 
Uh, there was a lot of death and dying, right? But the very last words of the movie were? Hope. Thank you. Thank you. And that was actually, a, 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 the next movie was episode 4, 1977, Star Wars, and it was called A New you got it. Hope, right? We're projecting into the future. And for us who are suffering, looks like times are, are bleak. We can look forward and we can see that there is indeed hope. So we start out here. We start with verse 1. And we see this mighty angel. And this mighty angel represents a character of God. And what I want you to see about this mighty angel is that it is glorious. It is um, perfect. It is, um, it is full of mercy. And it represents the character of God. And this is the God who's in charge of the timing of your life and what is going on in your world. And that's what's going on in here. And so if you're thinking about God's sovereignty over life, we're talking about God's control and God's timing over what happens in your life. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about God who is sovereign and in control. And what's he like? Well, he's glorious. He's merciful. And he's guiding you. And as we keep going through the text, we see in verse 2 that this angel has a little scroll. And this scroll is the playbook of God and on how things are going to play out in this world. And it's open. And he's got his right foot planted on the sea and his left foot planted on the land. It symbolizes God's sovereignty over the land and the sea. And the same God who's sovereign over the land and the sea is sovereign over your life as well. And this angel calls out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. And he called out to the seven thunders. And it's just as thunder would uh, announce a coming storm, so these uh, thunder is announcing this coming tribulation. And in this tribulation, John gets out a pen. He's about to write down all this stuff, ready to, you know, like he's been writing down the whole time. And, the, and he's told, stop, don't write this down. And it's this portion of the tribulation that will be hidden. It just won't be known. We won't know what's going to happen. There's some things in God's future plan that are unknown, that we simply will not know. And if it bothers you to know that we're not going to know everything that God knows about the future of the world, he wants us to trust him. And it's the same God who projects out to the future of the world the things that we don't know. It's the same God who wants you to trust him in your life. I know you have people bothering you, asking you, what are you going to do over the summer? What are you going to do next year? What are you going to do after you graduate? And you say, I don't know. But I know someone who does know. And that is God. And he is in control of the timing of everything that is going on in my life and in your life. And he wants us to trust him. And if we keep going through this, we'll see that the angel is standing on the land and the sea and he raises his hand to heaven. And he's, and he's saying, there will be no more delay. It's time for the full wrath to be pulled, poured out and for God's people to be vindicated no more delay. It's now time for the fullness of the kingdom. No more delay. It's time for the suffering to end, the saints to be, end of, be vindicated. This is to give them hope for a future. This, um, as I was saying to you, I, I've been sick recently, so sick that um, I, I, my, it seems like it's spreading to my family so much so we took our son, a 10-year-old, to the ER this past week. And when you're in the ER, at St. Francis, you can hear all the goings-on in the rooms nearby, right? And uh, because there's no walls, it's just curtains. And you hear a lot of the fearful things the doctors are saying to patients and how they're taking it and what they're thinking about and, and, and just the fear that's there. And you think, okay, what's going on with the next? What's going on with your future? Where is your hope? 
And what we're saying for those who believe in Jesus, there is hope in a future sovereign God. But we want to get this hope inside of us. We want to get it internalized. And that was what going on with John. And he's told here, if you remember, he's told to eat this scroll. And the scroll tastes sweet, but then it turns bitter in his stomach. <laughs> What's up with that sweet, bitter thing going on? Well, it tastes sweet going in, but as he proclaims the gospel, as he proclaims truth, he proclaims judgment upon people. And that becomes bitter. But we want to be people who get God's word into us and get God's word deep into us. I think I'm going to have to have John tag in. You guys okay with that? So if you can find him. Preach, preacher. You're going to do great, man. I'm almost done. So just start right here. I'll see you in the office this week. Yeah, see you, buddy. Yeah, right there. Right yeah. Psalm 119. Yeah, bring it home, man. Let's pray for Pastor Jason right now. Father, we we know that you are in control of all things, and that you are sovereign even in the midst of this situation. But we pray for our pastor that you will raise him to health and strength that this will be nothing serious or long-term. But, Father, please return him to full health and strength. Um, we need him. We love him. And, Father, just, just heal him and heal his family too. In Jesus' name. Well, when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's continue. We are to eat God's word and let it become part of us. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight to my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Jason saw a picture of a guy who spilled a cup of coffee on his Bible, and, and he said, I spilled coffee on my food. The Word of God is our food. We are not to call to just master the Word, but to let it master us. The Word is to change us as it moves from our head to our hearts and to our hands. But there will be times that the outcome of the Word will be bitter as we suffer and bitter as people reject it. My assumption is that most of you want to be used by God to minister to others through sharing the gospel, listening to your friends suffering and training um, someone else in the Word. The, most, the Word must first shape you and form your heart before you can be used to impact others. The word must first bring hope to you before it brings hope to others. A tool we've developed and that Jason has helped develop from memorizing God's word is called Hidden Within. It's an app that's available now on Apple and on Android devices. It's 80 days of memorizing verses. Um, it's a great way for you to, uh, it's a great little tool for you to be able to get God's word into your heart so it can move from your heart to your head to your hands. Um, but once, the, once the, um, but once the word shapes you, then you are ready to share this hope with others. Which brings us to the third point. Hope spreads through God's commission. Look at verse 11. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Here God is speaking to his prophet John like his other prophets, as it says in Amos 3, 7, and 8. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? John has taken in the revelation of God, now he can speak it out. 
It's his commission to proclaim the truth God has revealed will, including the judgment of the world and the vindication of God's people. As we know from the people's nations and languages, as we know many of the people's languages and nations repent and can be found worshiping before his throne in Revelation 7. But many reject the message and bring, it, uh, and bring bitter suffering into the lives of believers. For us, the message of hope in the gospel must go out to the nations. We're living in a moment of the delay before the fullness of the wrath of God, and we must preach the gospel. And that is what we have been commissioned to proclaim, a message of hope in the rescue from sin through Jesus Christ. Yes, there is a future judgment for individuals and nations, but the good news of hope is that you can be rescued through the life death, and resurrection of Jesus, even though the world will be judged with most, uh, with most rejecting the gospel. There, there has been and still can be periods of renewal and revival. And one month from now, we're going to have something called prelude to revival. We're going to have during those, uh, doing those things that usually come before a revival and exist for, in periods of renewal. We're going to pray every morning. We're going to be um, along with preaching, and there's going to be more preaching and praying and worship every night. But the true lasting renewal will only, will only come as people are letting God's word of hope penetrate their hearts and sharing it with others and giving them hope. Conclusion. We started out with a story and, and quote from Tim Keller. What we believe about our Future completely controls how we are experiencing our present. We are irreducibly hope-based creatures. We are irre- irreducibly hope-based creatures. For the suffering of the early church, they had a renewed hope that God would one day vindicate them and judge his enemies. Even for many of you who are, endur- even for many of you who are enduring great trials, you can have hope that God is in control. And you can grow in this hope as you take in his word and even as you share this hope with others until the fullness of his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this hope that we have. May we not keep it to ourselves, but may we share this hope that others may enter into it. Thank you for giving us hope that is apart from our bodies, apart from our current circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen.